Welcome to the Urban Income Show, where we speak with CEOs, CMOs, CTOs, founders, and other executives who are minorities or in underserved communities to learn about their strategies for success. I'm your host, Laval Chichester, the CEO of Growth Skills and Urban Income. Today's episode features Susie Jaramillo. Um, Susie is an Emmy-nominated director, artist, storyteller, entrepreneur, and mom. She currently serves as co-founder and chief executive officer of Encantos. Uh, Susie has won multiple awards from Kids Screen, Synopsis Media, Publishers Weekly, and more. Uh, Susie created Canticos, which is part of Encantos, um, which is the number one bilingual preschool brand with over 40 million watch time hours and 350 million streams. It's probably higher than that uh, now. Um, Canticos was featured in YouTube's 2023 impact report for its cultural impact, which is huge. Um, and, you know, Susie has been featured in, in Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, NPR, MP, NBC, CBS, New York Times, Adweek, People in Espanol, and Univision. Uh, Susie was also most recently um, listed on NBCU Plus Telemundo's Inspiring America's list. Uh, and before this, you know, Susie sold, built and sold an advertising agency, which is how we met. And um, and she's incredible. Susie, welcome to the show. It's my privilege and pleasure, Laval. Thank you so much for having me. And I love it. I see the books in the background. Uh, my baby Ray, right. my baby right now has loves them. And and uh, how Yay. do you like your your world class celebrity now? How do you introduce yourself to people? You know, that's such a funny question because um, my identity has always been. I'm an artist, right? That's, I went to, I studied painting, you know, I went to art school. However, um, I was at a barber shop and somebody asked my son, the barber was, you know, making conversation with my son. It's like, what does your mom do? And my son was like, she's an entrepreneur. And I was like, oh, I guess, I guess he's right. <laughs> now, now that I'm in my second company, I guess I am an entrepreneur. Um, but I see myself as a creative entrepreneur. In other words, I have a soul of an artist and the vision of an artist, but the business is important to me and ownership is important to me. And so being at the table as the driving business force and owning my own destiny has always been incredibly important to me. And and you've done that ever since I've met you um, when when you ran your, your own agency. And what's your background? Where, where are you from? And and. Any of that upgrade bringing, do you think, has, has that added to your success in what you've been doing in both companies? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, my, my father is 100% Venezuelan, mm -hmm. and my mother is half Ecuadorian and half Irish. Okay. So I am a Venezuelan-Ecuadorian-Irish mix. <laughs> and, and I grew up between uh, Florida and Venezuela. Okay. So when I was, I was born in Venezuela, came here as a baby. My dad never moved here, doesn't speak English. Uh -huh. When I was 10, my family decided to move back to Venezuela. Mm. So I did like junior high and high school in Venezuela. Okay, that's really interesting. When did you come yeah. to the States if you were born in Venezuela? So my, my parents separated when I was like 15. And so okay. that's when we came back to that. So I finished high school oh, in the States. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So that's when we came back to the States. Um, and it, you know, it, it was, it was really interesting because I was, I was very American and very Venezuelan, very, you know, Latino, Latino, like from Venezuela. And, you know, 
I soon learned that there's a phenomenon here in the United States called Latino. So what is a Latino, really, in the, in the United States? I feel like there's this identity crisis that happens in the United States because there are so many Latinos from so many different places of Latin America in the United States. But once you're here, it's really important that we recognize that we're all one thing. We're all Latino, whether you're from Cuba, whether Puerto Rico, Mexico, whatever, especially because that's how you're perceived by everybody else. <laughs> they don't see you as your specific country. They just see you as Latin something different, you know, an other thing. And so, and it's important. Like what I, what I, what took me by surprise is um, all of the things that I loved about my culture and appreciate about my culture and appreciate about, you know, Mexican culture and Cuban culture that wasn't necessarily appreciated by folks that didn't understand the sort of Latin diaspora or our culture. And so I quickly realized that I could be an ambassador of sorts from my people to, you know, the, the powers that be at, in the United States, whether it's corporate or now the world of, of, of entertainment. Right. Um, and so I love that. I love the, I love that, um, that, that I get to celebrate and showcase the culture that I love so much. And I, and I, I use it singular culture, but the reality is there's lots of different cultures baked in there. And by the way, and inside of that, there's Afro Latino and there's Chino Latino, there's Asian Moroccan, like all of these influences, Spain, you know, the Italian, if you're talking about Argentina, like all of these other culturally cultural influences baked into Latin America, you know, it's a stew, right? And so um, I love um, showcasing and celebrating and using it as like, as, as a point of inspiration for the work that I do as an artist. Got it. And where does Latin X fall into that? Like, explain that because I just see yeah. it happening, and I don't. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm, the audience yeah. has no idea if I have no idea, or maybe they're right, more no, educated no. than me on this topic. Like, what is it? I, I, I'll give what you a. It? I'll give you a quick a quick explanation. So, Latin X was uh, a term um, coined by the uh, Latin youth here in the United States to be more inclusive to gender diverse peoples, Got right? It. Because in, in Spanish, we're very gendered, you know, mm -hmm. you're Latino oh, or you're Latina. Yeah. 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 In between, For sure. Right. Now that said, it had the, and even the language, sorry to cut you off. The language is built that way. Yes, exactly. Right. It's just, it's just, it's just DNA, right? right? But the problem with the word Latinx is that um, it had the unintended consequences of excluding uh, people from Latin America who couldn't pronounce it. Oh, because in yeah. Spanish, it doesn't work. Latino X, it just doesn't work. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, so, so, but in, in, in Latin America, they say Latin. Mm. Latin means gender inclusive. Mm, okay. So now Latin is taking on a new life in the United States. Got it. And so, I was gonna see, I was gonna say, then I saw this thing where that is also like, there's a problem and you yeah. just, but thank you. That's yeah, and then, and then there's the term, yeah, then there's the term Latino and the term Hispanic, which, which date back from like, Hispanic is from like the eighties and the Reagan administration, right. uh, which Hispanic includes all people from Spanish speaking countries, including Spain. Mm -hmm. Whereas Latino would include all people from Latin American countries, including, you know, Mexico and Brazil. Right. Right. So um, even though in Brazil, they don't speak Spanish. So uh, that's kind of like how it, 
it all breaks down. But for most of us, um, I, I don't really care if you refer to me as Latino, Latinx, Latin, Hispanic. Doesn't matter. Right. And, <laughs> and I think what you're doing, um, and you've you've excelled at it. You know, I think the mm-hmm. I saw the spending power is 1.8 uh, trillion dollars, yes. right? And yes, it's yeah. You've tapped into that in a in a in an incredible way. Um, well, yeah. Good. I just here's the thing that people do not get about Latinos, and I, I suspect it's very similar in the African American population: is we spend, we buy, we are your best customers, right? And so we may be 20 percent of the population. We, we may be, you know, a fraction of the of the buying power, even though if we were our own economy, we would be the fifth largest economy in the world, you know, trumping many European economies. Um, we overspend in proportion to what we earn for better, or for worse. Right. And so if you're if you're looking at at uh, consumer products, um, electronics, uh, cars, personal care, all of that, we're going to be, you know, at least 10 percent over our population demographics. And so there's a massive business opportunity here. Fantastic. Absolutely. And yeah. what, what uh, we'll talk about Encantos. What do you see? Like someone's listening there. They're an entrepreneur. They're like, I need to start a side hustle. I have these roots. I know my people. What problems? Name like two or three problems you think people people should go after, um, whether they're a brand or, you know, mi gente, like. So, so, so you ask a really good question and the, and the really at the crux of your question is what problem are you solving? Right. So that's number one. So I would look, I, I think that to become an entrepreneur. So first of all, don't become an entrepreneur just for the, just because you think it has cachet or just because you think you're going to make a lot of money. The worst reason to become an entrepreneur is because you think you're going to make a lot of money. Like the reason to become an entrepreneur um, is, are, is really because you, you, you want to own your destiny and you want to solve a problem. And so I think you have to take a hard look at yourself and say, what do I love? What do I love doing? What am I really good at? Like I, something, I just do this better than anybody else. How can I serve? Like, what problem am I solving? How am I serving my community in some way? And then how can I make money? And you put those four things together and you tie the business opportunity to the need and the service of the community, to the skill set that you have and the passion that you have. If you can combine those four things, I do think you're unstoppable. There's a Japanese term for that called ikugagi, where you find out when, where you basically pair everything you said. And I think what I want to make clear to everyone listening is that this is the passion part of that is very important because when the reality of entrepreneurship hits you in the face, it will, you're going to realize that if you don't love what you're doing, it's going to really suck. And it's for the majority of it. Like people want to glorify entrepreneurship, but it's not for the faint of heart. And you have to love what you do. Otherwise, it's like it's grueling. Um, The other thing I would say is you have to have partners that offset your skill sets because, like you said, like like Susie said, she is good at what she's good at. I'm sure she has partners who excel at what they excel at. And that's how you that's how you get it done. That's exactly right. You can't you can't be the bride and the bridegroom. Like, know your <laughs> know your strengths, know your strengths and compliment your weaknesses. And, and, and the weaknesses are nothing to be ashamed about, by the mm-hmm. way. Like, nobody does everything. I think weaknesses need to be acknowledged and need to be complimented. 
so that you can lean into your strengths. Absolutely. So you first started an agency. Um, quickly give us that that background. You did that. Um, I I met you as part of the end of that process, and I really I really respect and admire you because I think I was like it was like my my first. It was literally my first time in advertising. I might have been a year or two in as like a, a junior SEO guy, even though I was the head of the department. And I, I got lucky enough to sit on a train with you working. I think it was Verizon or some client. We're going from Jersey. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm sitting next to her. Let me ask a question. And, I, and you let me ask more than and you, you told me all these like you really gave me insights that I hold dear to my heart today. And you've never changed. And look at look at here. And I think I love that you're able, you're, you're always open and, and willing to, to give advice to people in a, in a kind way, because I've met your counterparts and not everyone is like that. And, and I just really appreciate that. Honestly, being able to give is a gift. Like, I get as much out of it as, as anybody else. To me, it's to be able to pass on what you know is to be able to serve. Right. And I, I do think that service is like the highest honor. If you can be of service, if you can help, if you can make the, the world a better place. And so I, I love any way that I can help people. I'm happy to. Um, yeah. Especially because if I can give power to somebody else to have power to make a difference in, in a good way, then I, you know, I've quadrupled, tripled my power. Right. So that's that's why I think that way. Absolutely. And I saw that you, so let's talk about the agency, biggest, biggest mm -hmm. lessons in, in that life. And then how did that, how did you transition from there to, uh, to, to, to building so what I'm doing now? the problem that you're doing now? So the agency, you know, I, I went into advertising and I'll say this now, I never would have said this 10 years ago. Um, I went into advertising and started my own agency with no experience in advertising. Mm -hmm. I had never worked at an agency before. However, my partners had. Mm -hmm. um, I had partnered with two guys who were agency vets and they brought me on. Uh, actually, initially it was just the two of us. It was just Roberto and I, mm -hmm. and I was his creator. I was his creative counterpart. And Roberto knew that I would be a fresh set of eyes and a fresh brain for, for the landscape and advertising. For those of you out there who don't know, this is not brain surgery, right? It is absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It is so not. It is something. It is it is understanding human nature and understanding business needs. That's at the crux of advertising. If you can understand human nature and how people feel and how people think, and you can understand what brands need and how a brand can inject human values into itself and then convey those values in the way it expresses itself creatively, you know, then you get advertising. It's that simple, right? And then it becomes... Do you have creative criteria? Do you understand art direction? Do you understand design? Do you understand trend? Mm -hmm. Right? And can you and can you translate what's what you see on the street, what you hear um, in terms of music, what you you know, and and this vision for this brand and this need that this brand needs to accomplish with these people into a creative statement of you know thirty seconds or less. And I say this in full consciousness that that entire landscape has changed completely because now it's all AI <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's all, you know, growth marketing and growth hacking and putting stuff in front of eyeballs. And I do think the brand premise still stands, but mm -hmm. a lot of the traditional ways of bringing 
brand statements to life have just drastically changed. Right. Absolutely. Um, what, what, what did you yeah. learn in that, in that experience? Oh my God. So much. So advertising was school for me. It was like getting my business degree. I, um, I learned how to build teams. I learned how I, for me, HR was always casting, You're casting the right, you know, talent for the right job. Right. And so casting team building processes and the importance of process, you take care of the process, the process takes care of the work, right. Um, diligence organization, um, and then also like the importance of inspiration, the importance of inspiring a team, um, the, the importance of being able to put on a show, um, the importance of owning your own power and to walking into a room with conviction and to the importance of feeling comfortable in your own skin and making other people feel more comfortable because the more, the more you're able to make the person across the room feel comfortable, your client or your potential client feel comfortable. And the more you're able to connect with them and share your passion and enthusiasm with them, the more likely you are to get the business. No, I, and so that's from a pitching standpoint. So I think what, what you really said is, is really important because one, it's ad school. Like that's what, that's what you, you, you learned. And, and that was my experience. And so everyone listening, there, there's a huge, because I'm getting the phone calls from like serious people in advertising, but there is, there's, there's compression happening. There's, um, putting their, 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 you know, multiple agencies, the holding companies are putting them into, into one. So they're going to be redundancies. So now people are like, Oh, what do I do if I get caught? There's things like that happening. But so what I would, if, if you're, if those people are listening or, or you're experiencing this, make sure you take the knowledge that you, that you're learning, currently learning. Don't, don't be upset at what you're, you've been given a gift, honestly, to, to work in advertising Make sure you use that to build your exit strategy and and, and make that happen because I'm, I'm sure that's what you did, right? So so by the time I, I exited the agency, I no longer wanted to do advertising. Notice that I didn't go to another agency. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to do that. I, <laughs> well, I, had, I was now done. I was like, okay, I, you, Susan, you've learned everything you need to learn here. Mm -hmm. You know how to build brand. You know how to build team. You know how to execute creatively. Uh, you can build almost anything because the one thing you, that you, with every single different client, there's different needs to execute. So this one needs an app or this one needs a site or this one needs a big splashy TV thing and, or this one needs a bunch of, you know, short little radio audio thingies or, you know, just this one needs, you know, brand created from scratch. This one, you know what I mean? This one needs a big splashy event that does this, that, and the other. So you learn to sort of like, um, you learn production in terms of like how to, how to bring almost anything to life, be it an experience or a piece of media. Right. Um, and you know, I had, I had learned all of that and I realized that, you know, my appetite for what could be done in, in the space was greater than that of my clients. Um, my clients, and, and this isn't it, you know, my clients, they looked at Hispanic and they looked at the Latin market and they, and for them, it was a headache and something where they just needed to check the box. Yeah. You know, um, most, for, clarity, most of them, for clarity, you were, were you considered a cultural agency? We were, we were okay. as, as Latin Vox, we were considered a, a, a Latino agency, even though, yeah. you know, we used to we used to market ourselves as like 
a boutique agency, like a, a full service agency for smaller brands. Like if you couldn't mm -hmm. afford a JWT, you could come to us and we would build out your, your brand for all peoples right. in English. Mm -hmm. However, it, however, we were less likely to get those kinds of, 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 of companies because we're Latin. And so right. it's really unlikely for someone to give a Latin agency or a, a black agency, or even, mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 it doesn't matter. Like you can call yourself, I mean, at the time our, our name was the Vox collective, right? Yeah, so okay. with a name like the Vox collective, you're not necessarily a Latin agency, right. but when you meet Roberto Ramos and Susie Jaramillo, all of a sudden you realize that everyone on the team is Latin. And, and you know, I think the same probably happens a lot for, for, you know, people that, you know, for, from a black agency or when you meet them all of a sudden, well, he's black and he's black and he's, no, this must be a black agency. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, and sure. then, and then they're less likely to give you work that is, you know, mainstream work. Right. I mean, and which so, is, yeah, which is in it. I mean, that's a little bit of discrimination, but it's also the other way when they're looking for the black cultural agency, you know, you're on yeah. that list, that kind of thing, which is like, I haven't really even well, thought about that. Huh? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, look, that's, that's, that's the trouble with agencies in general. Like, and, and honestly, that, that's another reason why I got up being a Latin agency because the ideal mm -hmm. agency is just diverse. Right. <laughs> Ideally, you don't have a black agency. You have right. your, your main agency is really, really diverse. Right. Right. And it has, you know, best thinking. Yeah, and it's got strategists, especially the strategists are really, really diverse, and the creatives mm -hmm. are really, really diverse. And if you have that kind of diversity, you're going to come up with campaigns that kind of work for everybody. So that was another reason why I was like, oh, "Peace out. This, this is not like, this isn't, this isn't scalable." That said, so tips for when you're leaving, your your currency is your network. The more the more relationships you have, and I mean honest relationships. Um, you know, the more people, you know, the more people you meet and the more, the more sort of like, um, honest relationships you build, um, the more you'll be able to do. So, you, you know, I, I joke and I say your Rolodex, of course, nobody knows what a Rolodex is now, uh, but, 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 you know, the producers, the copywriters that you work with, the growth hackers that you work with, you know, the resources that you work with, all of these different people, the vendors that you hired, the, you know, all of the different sort of like people that collaborated with you to bring things to life. This is your network, right? This is, these are the people, if you, if you do this well, you'll be working with them for years and years and years, no matter where you go. It's that, uh, right? I, I'm a testament to that. You, we used to be coworkers, you are a client mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. we're still talking. We still have a That's relationship. Right. And I got like 20 to 25, at least people like that. Right. And some yeah. of them are coming on the show. So it's, and I think to the, the the point there too is like, like it really pays nothing to be an a hole, right? And no, advertising is for that because there's this like, oh, you need to have bravado, what whatever. I don't know, like where the I guess it's old school advertising that sort of that stuff, and I think it's been washed out, you know, in the new people who've actually learned man how to manage people. I think I think the yeah. new people is different, but you know. You know, spread and love yeah, goes a long way. There's, there's, there, there have been bad corporate practices from like the '80s that have just gotten passed down over and over and over again. And, um, however, yeah. So to 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 your point, uh, being in being an a hole 
never gets you anywhere. Um, and you know, the, the truth of the matter is the person that you may have mistreated that was a very junior level person one day is going to be a, is going to be your senior the next day. You know what I mean? He'll be your client, you know, and you treated him badly when he was lower on the ranks, you know, and I've seen that happen over and over again. And likewise, the junior person that you were nice to, you know, maybe in a position to give you business at another time. So I've always been a big believer of titles mean nothing. What matters is the person behind the title, whether they're junior, whether they're senior, it doesn't really, you know, just people are people and you should build with the ones that you have natural synergies with. I call them, you know, kindred spirits, build with your kindred spirits. Those are, that's your community, you know, um, and take them with you when you're no longer at, at your, at your place. Absolutely. Um, so did the agency Encantos, right? And within Encantos, you've got several, several really powerful brands. how did you make that happen? Mm -hmm. So, um, well, first of all, house of brands is something, I mean, I, you know, come from coming from an agency world, house of brands is something that I'm used to. Um, I, when I, when I decided to leave the agency world, I really saw the future as being for me, at least I, I, I left because I wasn't being true to myself. Here, I had studied art, you know what I mean? I loved, you know, drawing, painting. I loved, I loved creating worlds. I had ideas for like these worlds that I could create that were for kids because they were illustrated, right? And so I wanted to create illustrated worlds. And I, as, a, as, a, as an agency person, as a business person, I wanted to create franchise brands, right? Um, which I looked at the landscape in kids' media and, you know, I want everyone to do the thought exercise. When was the last time you saw, you know, a global franchise brand for kids um, that was Latin, that had a Latin DNA, right? That was like a TV series, not a movie, not a movie, a TV series with a Latin DNA. Everyone right now is thinking Dora. Guys, <laughs> Dora is, Dora is yeah. 30 years old. Really? 30 years old. Oh, wow. Okay? It okay. is ridiculous. That's okay? insane. Now, well, I'm 26, here. 26% of kids are Latin. 26%. That's insane. Only 5% of media out there represents them. Yeah. They are the most underrepresented of all the minorities. Mm. And these kids, these kids don't, in addition to not getting represented, they don't get their history taught to them. Mm. There are no Latin studies taught in school. Right. Even though the Spaniards were here before the pilgrims. Huh. You realize that, uh -huh. you realize that the whole Southern half of the United States used to belong to Spain and Mexico. Right. And you know what I mean? in there somewhere around Louisiana. After, after. after. Oh, okay. <laughs> after. Wow. The first folks, the first folks here were actually the Spaniards. Wow. Yeah, that's not taught in school. Yeah. Do you know that Florida was colonized by Spain in the 1600s? Nobody mm. knows that. Right? So the Latin kids, they're not getting taught their history. Right. They're not being represented. You know, and, and now you have like an administration that, you know, that came in and, you know, you know, said we're malos hombres, right? So like, have really, you know, just cast a shadow on the entire Latin community that has always been an integral part of this American tapestry. And so I kind of found my calling in telling stories 
that hopefully will appeal to everybody because I don't tell stories just for Latin people. I tell wonderful Latin stories for everyone, right? And so, and I, I also believe that culture is flavor. And just like I love to go eat Indian food <laughs> and, and I love me some Jamaican food, right? Um, I love, so, it, or, or music, you know, whether it's, you know, if you're listening to Fellow Cootie, if you're listening to Beyonce, if you're listening to Bad Bunny, right? It's flavor. And so stories with flavor that tell human truths are interesting and different and compelling. And that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. That's amazing. Um, I mean, there's so much in there and you could tell the passion, uh, you know, that I, I, I know that. So Raina, my daughter, she's mm-hmm. half white, half black, um, mm-hmm. or Guyanese. Um, mm-hmm. And I know she's going to run into all sorts of things, like troubles. You know, I think there's a whole market there as well. So uh, mm-hmm. maybe one day we'll do a book. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, well, and the I, good news, the good news is Raina is no longer as alone as she would have been, you know, twenty true. years ago. It's totally true. Is it festival for interracial kids? I learned, and all sorts yeah. of a whole a whole thing. Um, and hair right. products. I learned, I learned so much yeah. about hair. <laughs> oh, I, you, you come to me for hair. I know. I know. I got it all. <laughs> I appreciate. Um, <laughs> I appreciate um, that. What was I going to say? Um, so, so fifty percent of the children of millennials are mm-hmm. non-white. Fifty percent. That's wow. And you know, so whether they're Latino or mixed or black or Asian or whatever, they're just not white. So you know, this is the future. And demographics are destiny. That's amazing. So you've got a house of brands. Um, tell the and so a uh, skele, skeletica. Did I pronounce that correctly? Skeletina. 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 I really love that you created Skeletina to to be that friend that you never had when mm-hmm. you were younger, and you're going through all the scary things that um that children go go through and I love that yeah. he's a skeleton skeleton supposed to be scary can you explain that a little bit because you sure. you, you you mentioned about brands and belonging right mm-hmm. and there's so much belonging that's why people attract the brands especially now people have more sure. morality I feel like they'll pick a brand because it's a B Corp all of these things but when you right. tell a story like that it's really in, in, important to connect to. So can you tell that? Well, first I have to say that we're a B Corp as well. (laughs) And so Skeletina was, came from when I was little, I, I struggled with nightmares, like a lot of nightmares. And my mother used to tell me, you know, did you do something bad? Then go back to sleep. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't really there for me in terms of like, Oh, I'm sorry. Tell me about your nightmare. What are you afraid of? What do you think is the fear underpinning that? No, no, no. It was like, go back to bed. Um, you know, she had five kids. It was like, don't bother me. <laughs> um, and so um, then as I, I learned to dominate my nightmares by giving into them, believe it or not, I learned that when you're drowning, if you let yourself drown, you'll discover that you can breathe underwater in your sleep. And that was a huge unlock for me. Wow, I can breathe underwater. And then I learned I can turn back time. You know, and then I learned, oh my God, I have so much control in my dreams. And so I kind of taught myself to lucid dream as a, as a, as like a 12 year old. Right. Um, and so when my daughter started having, um, nightmares, I, I tried to talk to her about these things, mm. but 
what I realized is like my daughter had no interest in what I had to say about such things. <laughs> and so, and so I realized, dang, I wish there was a little girl who was in the in-between world right. who could help her troubleshoot her nightmares and who mm -hmm. could be her friend, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and who was funny and who knew all the tricks yeah. And who obviously she's not alive because she lives in the in-between world. The in-between, both of my parents are, have passed and I continuously dream with both of them. And this, those are my best dreams, my grandmother, right? So for me, the in-between world is also a place where I see dead people, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, Skeletina is not alive, right? She's in the in-between world and she's helping kids and she's helping them deal with, you know, scary things. And she's turning scary things into funny things. Mm. In fact, what I'm working on right now, actually, um, a project that we're going to do, what we're doing in Encantos for the fall is um, a dream machine. I'm, I'm calling, I'm, I think I'm going to call it the dream recalibrator. Okay. Where you can basically go to a site and enter your nightmare and Skeletina will, will turn your nightmare into an amazing adventure dream and, and email it to you. That's incredible. <laughs> that's right? really cool. No, yeah. That's incredible. So, exactly. Because... I think when you give children a different ending to their nightmare and you tell them, no, it's supposed to go like this, it really changes things. And I had a, a, a fan write me to tell me, hey, you know, my kid woke up the other day, the other night and he's like, oh, my God, I had a nightmare. But I, but Skeletina came and helped me. And I remember I had control. And I was like, yes, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's the impact, right? And, and yeah. I really wanted to highlight that because mm -hmm. for anyone listening, this came comes from a, a true place of a problem. You know, Susie was solving solving for herself, and look at mm -hmm. like, and I, I feel like if if you were to tell that to someone, and a hater would be like, "Oh, that's crazy! No one will do that." But here mm -hmm. you have it. Susie has manifested something that that is like near to her. Imagine like all the like people you know dismiss dreams, all the things, and she just made it happen, right? And there's this impact in the real life impact on a child in the world. That's like, that's it, right? So whatever you're yeah. dreaming of, make it happen, especially if it's going to be be powerful. Because I, I believe that the universe will, will, will help you with that. Um, that's people 100%. Right. And I 100%. think who talk about some people who think that if someone mentions the universe will help you, they think they're crazy. But I'm, I'm, I'm an experience. You're, your two people here have yeah. undoubtedly been helped by the universe. Um, yeah. So, so just go for it, especially if it's going to do good, because I think right now the world needs so much good um, because there's so much of the other stuff out there. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's incredible. Um, then. So I, I want to touch on you, you did NFTs. So talk about that and the reason why. So NFTs were a strategic focus because um we really were looking at Web3 as a way to connect directly with our, our public because mm -hmm. in social media, at the end of the day, we don't really have control over, you know, our, our, we don't have, we don't really own our audience, we right? Own the platform and, either, and, exactly. and we don't own the platforms and our audience can only kind of support us with likes, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then, you know, we can show stats, but that's about it. Um, and so the reason we went into uh, and we developed an NFT platform was because we wanted to give our supporters a way to directly support us, mm. right? With an by owning a Cantico's NFT right. and directly contribute to the making of you know the content that they wanted to see for their children. Mm -hmm. So 
Our flagship brand is Canticos, and Canticos is now the number one bilingual preschool brand. And you might say, what do you mean number one bilingual preschool brand? And I would say, well, it's the only bilingual preschool brand that's Emmy nominated, has one kid screen twice, common sense seal of approval, has every accolade out there from publishing, from um, animated series content, as well as from an app perspective, because Apple has featured us, right? Yeah, I was was going to get there. Yeah. In In addition to that, we're like in the top. 1% 1% of YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. We're growing exponentially year over year. And we truly, truly, if your child is uh, between the ages of, you know, one to three, and they watch Canticos on a regular basis, your child will be bilingual. Mm. And, and we present all of these wonderful nursery rhymes from Latin America in a cultural context. So not only will they learn all kinds of preschool concepts like, you know, numbers and letters and vocabulary and shapes and you know uh weather and you know the days of the week and emotions but they'll also learn you know uh merengue and you know <laughs> cuban son and you know bachata and you know uh like all these different genres mexican valses because you know we kind of honor lots of different types of music right right and so canticos brings all of the just wonderful cultures with a plural coming from latin america and it just serves it up in this charming little world full of latin nursery rhymes characters mm, that that's yeah. incredible that's pretty cool mm-hmm. and and so any plans to use uh ai on any of that with any of this so yeah ai is everywhere and there's absolutely multiple ways we're going to be using ai so starting with our marketing we use jasper all the time Right. Um, And and we've got like our Cantico's voice, bilingual, all the good stuff. The next thing is in animation. Um, There are there are AI animation engines um, that will take, you know, a 3D rig with um, lots of pre-programmed animation and, you know, sort of like, you know, expressions. Right. And they will animate to your voice. Oh, wow. So I could do like, hello, friends. Great to see you. Blah, 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 blah. And they yeah. will spit out a chicky doing my voice, doing all, you know, with, an, with a filter on top of my voice to make it sound chicky. So it's like you can do all this stuff. Um, and then so separately from that. Production time. And so there's going to be like business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of scale that, that's going to help. Oh, you. absolutely. Instead of like, you know, having an animator on staff to like do all of these different things. I just pay a fee once, get all these assets built, and then mm-hmm. I can, you know, I use this software, um, and it's all-you-can-eat animations, mm. which our YouTube channel is kind of like a monster that we must feed. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that would be great for that. And then our our dream recalibrator is completely AI-driven. Oh, that, that's really now. cool. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I can't wait mm-hmm. for that to come out because I will. Yeah, me either. Me we either. It. Um, it, mm-hmm. We just revamped spreadlove.org and we actually turned mm-hmm. it into a nonprofit. So, you know, what nice. people send hope and, and, and inspiration on Oh, that's so nice. Um, but what we're using it for now is like, if you search online, are women evil? Mm-hmm. The answers are yes, right? And so, you mm-hmm. know, the white supremacist shot up a black church because he did a search and found some fake stats. So the the second way we're using our skills for good is SEO is we're targeting all those words answering, we're pushing love. So when someone searches, are women evil, all those types of things, 
boom, we're gonna we're populating the internet with love. That is brilliant. Someone, someone could spread. Someone could also spread love. Um, there, I mean, we see love being spread every day, but the love that's mm -hmm. being spread plus the content we're creating, basically, the site is writing a book for us, which is a, right. a tabletop book about the words that are being spread, like in terms of mm -hmm. word, love, what countries spread love, all these different things. But um, yeah, so so I think. The reason I bring that up is the, the that that nature of allowing people to input something you're doing mm -hmm. it with the dreams I think is incredibly powerful because they're going to input things you've never thought of. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty cool. I also have to like I have to build in safeguards there because the AI oh, I, can go like whack. So like I'm, I'm actually we have a we have a data scientist who specializes in AI that's helping me. Amazing. So excited with that. We have mm -hmm. like a we have a simple approval method read the message is it love or hate <laughs> approve or, or is it weird uh, approve that, that yeah. so that's very cool and you're expanding into moms right is that correct yes. Did I see that right? so, well, we, we started with moms we we like moms have always been our bread and butter because like we make products for kids and they're yeah. very young kids so moms right. are kind of our moms gatekeepers yeah, for moms and dads yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. so and, and apparently did you know that dads apparently are more generous with their phones than moms Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that dads are, are more likely to hand the phone to the kid to look at stuff. So um so yeah, we we absolutely target dads as well. That's and amazing. actually speaking of dads, speaking of dads, we have a Father's Day song coming out that I'm very excited about. We post tomorrow. That's amazing. So please, please uh check our YouTube channel tomorrow and you will hear El Papagayo song. And it's okay. adorable. I can't wait to I can't wait mm -hmm. to see um let's switch to a more uh, a different type of question what do you wish you did with your money sooner oh that's a good question um so i don't have any regrets in terms of what i've done with my money um i would have probably bought real estate sooner <laughs> um my mother at a given point offered to help me buy a house in Ditmas Park, the neighborhood I live in currently. And it wasn't an expensive house. I think at the time it was probably worth like $150,000, which would have been like, you know, it, it, it was cheap at the time. This was like the nineties. Um, now, and I turned her down. I was like, no, I don't want a house there. Um, now that house is worth like almost $3 million. <laughs> For sure, facts. This park is where we would drive because I grew up on Park Slope. We'll drive to see the yeah. light. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's Diker Heights. That's Diker Heights. That's Diker Heights. Okay. Uh, yeah, oh, so no, Ditmas Park is, is wraparound porches and really beautiful historic is it houses. Eighty sixth over there. No, 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 no. It's um Victorian Flatbush. So it's it's between oh, Flatbush and Coney oh, Island. Ditmas yeah. Park. So yeah. So yeah. we moved to East Fifth. I know exactly where. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That area is beautiful. Yeah. So wow. I I never expected wow. to live here. I never expected I to know, live here. Yeah. But but when I was in my early twenties, this wasn't a great neighborhood. No, yeah, and, for sure. I would know why you wouldn't want to move to Ditton. Yeah, yeah, and and it was like it, was, it wasn't sure. there was nothing cool about it. Nothing whatsoever yeah. remotely cool about it. But, it. but had I made that decision, yeah, you could probably put a a zero at the end of my net worth today. Yeah. No, I <laughs> just mean, the, because we would drive over yeah. there too, because like East Fifth is very close mm -hmm. to there. Because all you have to do is take what's yeah. the, 
It's uh, I forgot the road that goes straight over there. Um, besides Church Ave. Uh, yeah. And 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 get there. And so everyone listening. And so this is urban income, right? Where we're teaching yeah. minorities about earning, saving, and investing. Yeah. The career talk yeah. is about earning and different yeah. business. Investing is also another one. Yeah. That's one of the main things. So like open up your eyes to those opportunities. And if you don't know how to invest, you know, read up about it. There's a ton of places um, that that can help you. And on top of all yeah. the that we produce. Yeah, I am not as much of a stock market person as I probably should be. My, my, mm -hmm. my husband is much more of a stock market person than I am, but I am a real estate person. So mm -hmm. for example, I, I was like, let's buy the apartment next to ours and combine them. <laughs> So we did do that. We I, was say, I hope you did it because, you know, that's we did incredible. It. We did it and it's it's exponentially increased the value of our apartment. For sure. Um, yeah. So I, I'm more of a real estate person. And I, I do think that if you can have the opportunity to, you know, buy like an asset like that, mm -hmm. um, it just almost always increases in value. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to get uh, I'm talking with Nellie Galan to get her on the show. If you know who she is. Yeah. And I mean, she gave me, you know, she gave me a gem. She's like, you need a 5013C, you need a nonprofit. I was like, okay. And I made one uh, with Spread mm -hmm. Love, but like, you know, she's like excellent in, in terms of real estate. Yeah, Nelly, she's, she wrote the book on it. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah. She's incredible. Um, mm -hmm. Another question, what, what side hustles did you, did you, did you have growing up? Um, so, I mean, look, I... I studied art. Um, well, okay. I started working, working when I was 15. Mm -hmm. Um, and I worked as a cashier at a restaurant. And then when I always did work study in college and I went to school with a lot of loans and I graduated with a ton of loans, but I did work study and I like, you know, helped out because I, I lived in a residence. Work study. What is that for anyone? Work, st work, work study is where, um, Oh, you know what? Uh, it, it, you have a you have a job, and then you get income from your job, but then part of it goes to pay your tuition or something like that. I, okay. I forget what it was. Like, I don't know if I can explain it completely well. <laughs> but all I know is that part of my financial aid package was like a work study. That's and it cool. Meant that, like, yeah, it meant that you could work off some of your tuition. Basically, right. that's what it meant. Um, in addition to like, because I don't I don't come from money. FYI, mm -hmm. like my mom. My mom had cancer when I, when we, when she separated from my dad, she had never, she'd never really worked. She was a stay home mom. And my dad didn't give us any child support. Cause he was like, I'll support you if you stay in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. But if you move to the United States, I can't support you. Right. So we didn't, you know, my mom had, and then my mom had cancer. And so she couldn't work because right. she was disabled. Um, and then later on she got better and she was able to, but not, not while I was in college. Right. So it was, while I was in college, I got a ton of, of aid, of financial aid. And so I was getting Pell Grants and, you know, I didn't, I didn't get a lot of, so there's a lot of art high schools and the kids that went to those art high schools were like with merit scholarships and like full rides. Right. Mm -hmm. But since I didn't go to an art high school, I didn't get any of those like fancy merit scholarships either. Right. So I just got like a lot of loans and work study and, you know, I would do every kind of job when I was in college, like mm -hmm. wall painting. I actually did a job of like upholstering walls in fancy apartments that wanted like <laughs> linen on their walls. That's you know, crazy. Uh, I, I painted a mural for like an event that Paloma Picasso did. And 
I, whatever, whatever like crafty job was available to me until I started, I graduated and started like, you know, working in, in animation studios. Right. Um, but you went to Pratt, right? For college? Yeah, I went, I went to Pratt. I went to Pratt and Brooklyn, I've always Pratt? been like in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's a I great school. That. I Ooh. highly recommend. Um, and, and, you know, the kid, the, the, the people that I met, you know, were was friends, were made friends with in Pratt are still my friends, right? They're still my best friends. Um, and now that, um, and then I was a freelancer forever. So I didn't have a side hustle. All I had was a hustle. You got marketplaces yeah. to earn, I, where you could earn money. So it's easier to be a freelancer right now, right? Yeah, way easier. It was like I, I like would call people up. I would look their number up in the phone book because we didn't, you know, it was before like websites were everywhere. So and and I would get interviews and then I would I would always my whole thing was, oh, here's a piece of good advice I can give you. If you talk to one person, get that person to give you two introductions to two more people. You know what I mean? Always, always, you know. See if you can, you know, get recommendations and get advice from other people because advice is, is, is gold, right? It's, it's just as valuable as the dollars that might, they might give you. Right. Um, and so I always make sure to, to walk away with, with more than that. And, you know, you eventually find your way. Um, and you know, I've actually been an entrepreneur all my life. You know, I, I think I had two stints where I had, you know, W2s that weren't issued by me. And it was when I briefly worked in the fashion industry. Actually, I shouldn't call it the fashion industry. It's more the clothing industry. Um, and it was working for kids wear companies um, that would make kids wear for companies like, you know, Target or Walmart or, you know, Kohl's. But again, it prepped me for what I do now because I learned how to make, I learned how to make repeats and prints and embroideries and, and I learned, you know, I, I learned how to put, you know, how to merchandise clothing lines. And so right now when I work on the Cantico's clothing line, like I know how all of that got put together because that was a skill I picked up along the way. Right. That's incredible. You That's know, really incredible. Um, so, so that was, so, so yeah, I was, I was, I was joking. Like, I think the last resume I made was like, you know, in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the that's what we, you know that's the way it should be that's what we hope yeah. everyone everyone to, to aspire aspire to i've got two yeah. questions the first i'll start yeah. with and it literally it's literally exactly what you said basically who i'm asking for an introduction if everyone's paying attention and you'll know that mm -hmm. i do this on every show i basically ask who do you think we should have on this show would you introduce them that'll make a super impact to our audience I would interview Joseph Anthony. Okay. If you haven't talked to him, because uh, you haven't. Okay, no, no, I can't choose no, him. You do. So he owns Hero Group, the agency. Okay. And Joe is half Jamaican, half Puerto Rican, one hundred percent black, uh -huh. and he has been hustling and hustling and hustling since the day. I don't, Joe. I don't think he actually went to college. Um, and he's just completely completely sorry dropped out completely self-made uh he'll be in can you know next week or whatever doing his thing but he truly is he has a lot of great advice to dish out oh yes um so i would interview joe um who else would i recommend 
I'd Rosanna, love uh-huh. go, ahead. go, go, go. Rosanna Duthry. Okay. Rosanna Duthry is, she works, I believe she is the chief people officer for LinkedIn. Oh, okay. Rosanna Duthry. Let's see. Yeah. Um, she, um, you know, so Rosanna is, you know, um, half Puerto Rican, half black. She's gay. She has built a career around diversity, inclusion, and belonging. She has mentored. She, she above all things, I would say, is a mentor. And she has mentored so many people. And she did not mentor me, by the way. She mentored Stephen. And Stephen tells me, who was my co-founder of this current company. And Stephen tells me how Rosanna took him to buy his first suit. What? That's insane. Yeah. When That's he interviewed. Insane. So... I love that story, and so I'd love to. I, I'd love to interview Stephen as well. Um, oh yeah, that goes without saying. Stephen's really great. Um, um, oh and, man, those yeah. those you got. That's incredible because I'd love to hear. Um, what was Hero Agency's founder's name? Joe Joseph Anthony. You know, and so you know what? Interview Stephen, and after you do Stephen, get get Rosanna. But I'll I'll hook okay. you up with Stephen and, okay. and and um and Joe, of course. Okay, perfect. Because it'd be good to see both sides of that that tale. Because mm-hmm. I think mentorship yeah. is, is really, really important um, for 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 mm-hmm. our um, I'm going to leave it with this question: What's the nicest thing anyone has ever done for you? I have never thought about that, but oh no, I think Stephen gets this award. The nicest one that anyone has ever done to me was like sink 1.5 million dollars into my vision. <laughs> I love how you put it, sink. <laughs> Just like I bet you he's proud of it now. <laughs> invest, invest. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. No, by far the nicest. Without me even asking, by the way. Oh wow! Well, there you. That's nice. There you go. I, I never it. asked. I never asked for money. Like, yeah, it was sort of like, like he wooed me to go into business with him. Yeah. You know. I mean, um, I, mean I understand why. Like, it, like you are. You're incredible because you you're you're like um you could do it right because you could do it you've developed the skills and this is also about education everyone listening you have the skill set across a wide variety of things so that and, and no one could ever take your skills away and then right. when you have the person who does the design when you have the illustrators when you have all those different things you right. speak the same language it's a whole it's a whole other thing. You know, right. so like, like, can you see that? Pardon me. Hold that. Hold that thought for a second. Yeah. So, especially us as like people of color, mm-hmm. we have to be really skilled. We have oh. to be really good at what we do. Right. And I, and I, I would always say like, and and I, I always thought this is something that I believed intrinsically, but then my mentor in college would tell me the same thing: compare yourself to the masters, right. not to the person next to you. Yeah. And always, truly, 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 truly. Be the best that you can be and demand the most out of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and look at what's best in class and then say, am I that? Because if I'm not that, then I need to push myself to be that because that's what I'll be compared to when I go to market. For sure. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, it, and, and we have to remember, nobody really knows us, owes us anything. Nobody mm-hmm. owes us anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, nobody needs to buy my art because it's mine or I made it. Yeah. You know, 
if my art doesn't resonate with people, if it's not speaking to a need that they feel, then I'm not solving a problem for them. Absolutely. And I'm not bankable as a creator mm-hmm. and I'm not sustainable as a business. Right. So you have to have that empathy to where you're solving something, a real capitalizing on a real human need or a real business need, but you're also doing it well. You're skilled. Right. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, that's it. I mean, we're going to leave it at that because that is that is the lesson, honestly, because I tell people and I'm going to do a, a LinkedIn post about this because AI is coming for people's jobs and it's coming faster than they think. And the, the thing is that it's not about you could be the best talented person, but what you need to start learning how to do is is learn the AI, use the AI to do your job faster and better. But I truly believe now everyone has to start becoming their own personal brand with their own personal awareness attracted to them because it's going to be the future is going to be very small teams doing the work with AI, several AIs that could outwork hundreds of people. So if you, if you're not the person like, you know, um, I was talking to this young lady that generated this, her name is Jess Cook. So she is huge. When you look at her following in LinkedIn versus the company she works for, she's like three X more. So she has this personal brand. She's a master of her craft and, and she, and she's running AI, right? So that that's the future. And your layer of your layer of skill can't be touched and you're going to master AI. You're already doing that. And you know, I don't know if you want to sell. You're you're, you're gonna you're 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 probably sell can't do make a million bucks, but in the process, you are you're changing the lives of these kids. I watch Raina interact with with your product, right? Like I see it every day, and she like she's like she's in love. You know what I mean? And like I you really really like you like yeah. I just love what you do, and um and I think what you just said was was very very important. Develop those skills. And, um, and, and, uh, yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you. And just your listeners should know that every single one of you is designed to sell, to solve one unique problem. You have a unique skill set that will solve a very specific problem. So you have to learn what your skills are, right? Learn what you do really, really well. And then, and then little by little, you'll figure out what problem it is that you're supposed to solve. Um, Let's. I'll take this out. So thank you, Susie, for being here today. And thank you, everyone, for turning into the Urban Income Show. Um, I hope you found this episode informative and inspiring. Please remember to subscribe to our channel, follow us on social media, and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode of the Urban Income Show. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow us on social, and visit urbanincome.com.